G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 174 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Now, very excited uh, to do this episode today. Uh, with a guy that I really admired, um, both on and off the field, both as a footballer, but also personally, uh, Ian Callanan. Uh, some of you may know Ian, uh, played for the Adelaide Crows there for, for a while, um, uh, a few years back now, but uh, his journey is incredible and unique. Uh, he was first drafted as a rookie at 28, uh, which is incredible, but uh, Many of us were saying many years before that, why the hell is this guy <laughs> getting, getting, getting a game in the AFL? He was absolutely brilliant and a joy to watch as a footballer with the Tasmanian Devils in the VFL uh, and also a really highly talented junior. But because of his size and maybe a few other, other things, he, he never got drafted. He's only a small guy and, mate, look, guys, I shouldn't say mate, but <laughs> ladies and gentlemen... Uh, this fella is the best footballer that I've ever seen and um, yeah I'd, I'd pay money to go and watch this guy every week just for some of the the unbelievable things that he could do but he's also so humble uh, as well and um, just really really um, uh, well respected by everyone that, that watched him but also everyone that played with him I believe as well and um, you know Ian had a, a great career in the VFL in the SNFL also the AFL um, you know 30 odd games but um, those games were, were, were you know really well played and um, and impactful and uh, you know since then he's um, uh, you know done some work with the Crows uh, in the, in the uh, SAFL and sort of moved back to Tasmania got involved with local footy back there and um, uh, basically uh, is sort of out of the game a little bit now but he also had a stroke recently which sort of uh, knocked him back a little bit but he's, he's bounced back um, you know really well and um, you know we're going to talk about that experience and journey today also his young fellas are uh, coming through the ranks now playing with the Tassie Devils in the uh, TAC Cup in the Victorian Comp and uh, hopefully um, he will get a chance but if not I reckon he can give him some wisdom about uh, you know getting the most out of um, our lives whether we uh, we get the opportunities that we seek or not you know Ian never gave up primarily that's what I really admired about him he just kept performing it week in week out and eventually the results came with him getting an opportunity with the Crows so going to talk about that which I'm sure you're going to enjoy I just want to make special mention to the real shift who support the podcast uh, if you've got something uh, going on in your life at the moment you want to try and shift or change they've got a nine-week deep dive program which helps people sort of uncover the blockages and so forth that we've got going on in our lives and be able to help uh, move through them proactively. Uh, Mick and Amy Stews are really good at this sort of stuff and both uh, help men and women uh, to be able to uh, live their best lives and be able to be more uh, engaged, self-aware and, and present moving forward. They're very good at what they do. So please check out their website. It's therealshift.com. If you go uh, therealshift.com forward slash deep dive, you'll see some information about their program. If you mention the Outback Mind, uh, you'll uh, get a discount on that program. And it's a pretty cheap, good value and a real good investment in yourself. So please check them out and help them out. Uh, also, the Outback Mind is now uh, a foundation. So we want to try and partner with the right organisations throughout Australia to be able to deliver men's mental health services. Uh, if you'd like to have a chat about that, please uh, contact me. Uh, best is to email support at backmind.com.au. Right, I appreciate uh, you listening into this chat with Ian and I, and I uh, really appreciate your feedback. Okay, Ian. G'day, mate. How are you going? Very well. I'm, I'm really grateful um, to have you on here, mate. Um, I just I admired you as a footballer and a, and a, a young fellow when I was down there, you know, greatly. And um, I watched your journey uh, the whole whole way through, pretty much until you know you 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 got your AFL sort of uh, dream sort of happening and and debut uh, debut and all that sort of stuff. And um, you know the career sort of uh, post then and mate, it's been an unbelievable journey. And um, yeah, as I said, I'm really grateful to have you on to, to chat about all that and everything in between. So um, let's see where we go with it. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's obviously been a, uh, a long uh, career, but um, yeah, I'm happy to have a chat about and uh, yeah, reminisce and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. So tell us about Hobart. Like you were born there as a young fella and uh, sort of coming through, I think you were down Rokeby Way, is that right? 
Yeah, that's right, mate. So I'm born, born and bred in Tasmania and grew up in Rokeby, which is just a little suburb just out of Bellreve Oval, probably five minutes from Bellreve Oval. So, yeah, grew up down playing my junior footy at Rokeby, Rokeby Juniors, and then sort of, you know, snowballed on to playing, playing in the TAC Cup, which is with the Mariners, and then a few uh, game, senior games with Clarence, and then, you know, obviously onto the VFL team. Mm, unreal, mate. And Rokeby, for people listening, is a pretty well was a pretty rough and tumble um, sort of part of town. How'd you go as a as a young fella there, um, sort of around some of the the rougher nuts? Did you hold your own pretty well? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It was great. It's probably probably I probably had to grow up pretty quick to be totally honest. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's obviously a, um, yeah, um, not the uh, not the clean cut skin areas of Sandy Bay and those sort of areas. So, but yeah, um, yeah so you had to sort of grow up pretty quick and. Yeah, either you know, you sort of learnt the hard way. So um, it was a great upbringing. Um, you know, my mum and dad still live down there to this day, and still get back down there and see them. And a lot of my friends and mates still live down in that area. So yeah, it's good to go back and see those those guys. You had a brother as well, Robbie. Is that right? I got two brothers. I got yeah. Rocket or Rodney. They call yeah. him Rocket. Rodney, and yeah. I got, I got Jason, who's a bit older than both of us. They um, both played a bit of footy, but more more an amateur type footy. And my brother's sort of been involved in coaching at OHA in the amateurs at the moment so yeah a little bit unreal and had a bit of a a, a a few games at sorrel a while back is that right yeah i think he played he played the grand final for sorrel but i was on favor and got rolled so yeah. um <laughs> that was a while ago yeah, these days he he played a doser as well rocket played a doser i think he, he lost two there and then went to sorrel and lost one there so mm, i don't know if it was bad luck or not <laughs> that's it could well be oh it's all about uh, having a bit of fun at the end of the day but yeah winning uh Winning the premierships are, are nice, mate, and uh, we'll talk about, you know, obviously, I don't know whether you've probably played many premierships yourself. Actually, you did when you were in South Australia, but, um, mate, the journey for you coming through as a young fella in Tassie, uh, obviously, to getting to play for the Devils was pretty unique. What was it like for you, um, you know, to, to actually be a part of a state team like the Devils were? Yeah, it was pretty good to be totally honest, mate. Like, it, I was pretty lucky to be be honest because in the end, my draft year was two thousand. Obviously, I wasn't wasn't lucky enough to be drafted, so it just all sort of fell into place. So, obviously, missed out on the draft in two thousand. But then they decided to bring the Devils in, which was in in two thousand and one. So I basically rolled straight out from the Tech Cup side and. Um, I was pretty close to going to Geelong. I had a phone call from Geelong. I don't know if you remember, they used to have the old supplementary list. Mm. And I'd been offered to go and play at Geelong and be a supplementary player there and, and go and do that. But then the, the groundswell grew for the VFL side. So in the end, I decided to stay home because I was pretty settled and I was going to get to play in the VFL anyway. So, mm. And for us in Tasmania, it was huge. It was like basically like uh, for us getting an AFL side, to be totally honest. That's yes. the way it was built up. And, um, we just sort of got put together pretty quickly from all around the state. We got to, you know, play with um, guys that we'd been playing against, you know, week in, week out, and to put they sort of rushed us all together, and we sort of done a pre-season, and, yeah, the rest, rest is history. Mm, amazing, mate. Yeah, Brett Geepen, uh obviously come on in our chat too, and he said it was, you know, just a tremendous experience to be able to play in that first game, and he, he played in the last game as well, but you obviously got a game in the first match and played that first season. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I remember the first game like it was yesterday. We played Sandringham over at, uh, at Sandringham, and um, yeah, I remember going there. I remember walking in at half time, and I think I think we we're up by a goal or even down by a goal. I'm not 100 percent sure, but just remembering thinking, walking in, how good you know how good we're going to be when we get ourselves up and going and and fit and and that, that sort of thing because we'd only sort of been put together in January, so we'd only probably been training for. You know, a couple of months, and we just thought, yeah, how are we going to be when when we get ourselves up and going? But you know, we end up getting beat by 100 points in that game. And, um, yeah, it was a real reality check, and just a great experience of where we had to get to to, to compete against sides that had AFL players. Yes, yeah, that's it. And um, mate, uh, you know, and not just that. Like some of the guys that you were you were playing with back then, some may have had AFL experience, but. What I really loved about it was just having this um, unique spirit of, uh, of of Tasmanian football coming together, like guys from the northwest coast and the north and all around the place, sort of you know getting together and playing uh, as a as a state team. I just thought it was was tremendous, and it took a few years for you to sort of um, evolve and start to get um, 
I suppose, more competitive and stronger. What was that like as a player, like the momentum sort of building and, and obviously Matthew Armstrong having a big part of that? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And that's that. That's the the memory I'll always have is being able to, you know, we, I, you would have heard about the Glenorchy Clarence rivalry. You know, they actually mm. absolutely hate each other. And then, you know, six, you know, two or three weeks later, all of a sudden we put a VFL side together, and you're rubbing shoulders, shoulders against blokes like Benny Kellers, you know, <laughs> Benny Atkin, yeah, uh, Trey Carter was in in the first year. Guys like that 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 Clarence sort of hated, but then in the end, all of a sudden we're playing with those guys and to build a relationship with those guys. Now, Benny Atkins probably one of the best players that I've ever played with outside, mm. you know, outside the AFL. His work rate, his effort was unbelievable. Mm. To as a 18 year old kid that I was to, to play, with, you know, Benny was probably in the prime of his life. So to, to get to experience those sort of guys, and then the guys up up north, you know, you know Nathan Howe was our captain. He was an unbelievable leader for North Lonnie to experience the way he went about his footy and and did that that sort of thing. And then we had obviously had steam. Premise to go from helping Matty Armstrong out in the coaching, just to meet guys like that all around the state. It was just mm. um, unbelievable. And then obviously later on when we recruited, we got Justin Plapp and, and Jason Heatley and Jason Cripps and those sort of guys that came in. Mm. It was just sort of the icing on the cake and it was just a really good um, feel amongst the group. We were able to build it from in ground zero and that's credit to Dogger mm. Armstrong is that he built the relationships and made everyone buy in and that's the Tassie spirit. I think we just play on, you know, we're not the most talented probably side going around, but we just had a crack and it was a great experience to play AFL with the players every week. Yeah, and those guys gelled in pretty well with you, I think, from memory. You know, those guys that come back from the AFL, obviously Platt was a local fella and, um, you know, the other two, Cripps, uh, J- J- Jason Cripps and um, Justin, was it Jason Heatley? Yeah. They, Jason they Heatley. Oh, mate, they were, yeah. oh, absolutely fantastic, mate. And that's yeah. the best thing that they did. They... They bought in straight away. They knew they knew the program that had been set set up. You know, we also had Jordan During, who was dominating mm, playing yeah. for footy. Come down, had a season here, and was unbelievable. Yeah, he was great. Um, we had Trav Rollinson. Um, we we had heaps of guys that come down and played tr- tremendous footy. And you know, we weren't far away really. We played in a couple of pre- pre- prelim finals, and you know, they're some of my fondest memories. Mm, I was there, mate. I loved it. You know, it was it was just. Amazing, you know, to be able to go to a ground uh, like Bell Reeve or North Hobart, and uh, I drive to Lonnie and watch games up there too. But you know, it was just amazing that the, the whole crowd was barracking from one team, and uh, you know, the momentum and everything that was going along with that. And it was just a uh, you know, an awesome experience from a spectator's point of view, but obviously to play uh, amongst those guys. And you know, Nathan Howard, I'd forgotten about him, and um. And Ben Atkin, very similar players and, and both very tough. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, oh, the support we got was unbelievable. I, I, I still remember playing in front of about 12,000, 13,000 at Bell Reef over there one day. And like you say, when you got, it doesn't sound huge, but when you've got that amount of people buried for the one team, it's just unbelievable. And I still remember when we played our first ever final, it absolutely rained for about three or four days and we played Geelong and they weren't mm-hmm. sure we were going to get many. We ended up getting about 6,000, I think. But yeah, yeah. that was because it was absolutely wet as. And, but it was just an unbelievable experience. And I still get people coming up to me today talking about those those times and about using the love to come to games and watch and, you know, wish it was still around and, and all that sort of thing. It is a shame it's, that it's not here. And, uh, but for me, it's still some of my, my great memories. Yeah. Oh, for sure, mate. Do you remember that... Um Specky, you took on the uh, in the forward flank at um, at uh, Bell Reeve there one day. You stood on some guy's shoulders, which, which was probably six foot or more, and you're only a little fellow. But you may not remember it, mate. But I was sitting on the hill on the other side. And it was one of the best marks that I'd ever seen. Yeah, no, I do remember it, mate. Cause it's about the only one I ever took. Because <laughs> I remember taking it and handballing the Benny Kellis, and yeah. everyone said to me after the game that I should have actually not handballed it. I should have got up and walked back and actually soaked in the crowd and. And done all that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, uh, I do remember it. It was unreal. Who was the guy who climbed up? Do you remember? I got not not one hundred percent sure. I could probably find out because uh, <laughs> it's funny you say because Cameron Blood, who's one of my really good mates, sent it to me about oh, twelve months ago. I don't know what he must have been going through some devil's tapes, <laughs> and he actually sent it to me. Mm, incredible, mate. I was going to ask you. You were you were very good on both sides of your body, and obviously you 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 still are, but but. How did that come about? Was it natural, or did you put a lot of work into yourself when you were a young fella? Well, it probably is natural, but I think 
for me, mate, growing up, and which is my personal opinion, is I think the kids are a little bit different today. Is when I grew up, I just had a football in my hand 24-7. And I just, in the end, I just probably just taught myself how to do it by kicking it up to myself and, and doing that sort of thing. Like, obviously, you've got some natural ability, but I just always had a footy in my hand. My, my dad grew up um, playing country footy, so I'd sort of go and watch him a bit and... Back in our day when my brothers were a bit older than me, I'd go and watch them play 17s, you know, and 18s. And in the end, back in those days, you'd go and watch your brothers play under 17s, and then you'd watch the reserves, and then you'd watch the seniors. Mm-hmm. So in the end, you'd spend six or seven hours of the footy kicking kicking the ball. So yeah. Incredible. I think I just put it down to that. And yeah. obviously my dad used to do a heap of work with me kicking, and, and, and you've got two older brothers to have to kick with. So I think it just, um, yeah, in the end, I'm just doing hours after hours, and you don't really know you're doing it. Well, Whereas the kids these days probably spend hours and hours on the uh, uh, iPads yeah. and laptops and all that sort of thing. For sure. Were your brothers good on both sides of their bodies as well? Yeah, yeah, they weren't too bad, yeah. They'd done a heap of work as well. They're probably not not where I was, but they were good enough to get themselves out of trouble and um, probably didn't love us, love footy as much as I did. They were more, more the amateur, um, that sort of side of it, so they probably, probably didn't put the time in, but... One thing I will say is they put the time into me, which probably helped me in the long run. Yes, yeah, being younger and that sort of thing, yeah. Sort of plenty of people to have, or plenty of um, opportunities to have a kick when you needed to, I suppose. So it worked out. Yeah, well, absolutely. We played we played little games, so in the end I just had to grow up pretty quick. And I was a lot smaller than them, but in the end it probably helped me in the long run. Mm, mate, um, going through the Devils uh, you know, program and that, and obviously coming out the other side of it, you were pretty, like... I thought you were unfortunate to not get drafted back then. Um, was that something that sort of you were a bit, uh, I suppose, uh, disappointed about not getting an opportunity? You just sort of kept um, soldiering on and just sort of, you know, going, going about your business without sort of worrying about what could have been, possibly? Yeah, oh, I, it's, hard, it's a hard one to say. Like, I wouldn't say I was... Like, obviously, I, would have, I, was, I was disappointed, but in the end, I just didn't matter worrying me because in the end, you got no control over it all, right? My attitude was just trying to be the best player I possibly could and and um, playing the best competition I possibly could. Mm. And it probably took me a couple of years in the VFL system to really work out what it what it took to be a, a, an athlete. Like in the end, I was a pretty gifted footballer, but in the end, I probably didn't really know how to train and, and do all the the one percent sort of stuff right. And that's where Matthew Armstrong's been was unbelievable for me. He really turned my not turn my career around, but taught me how to train to be an elite player. And if you want to be a good player in a good competition, you know how to train and and that sort of thing. So I owe a fair bit to him. And uh, I think Lance Sporting was he was involved. Did a lot of bike riding with him. Just just taught me how to train and become an elite trainer and and make me a better player. And in the end, it's funny when you do the work. What how much you know the sort of rewards you get from that. Absolutely, that's right. You know, if you know that you're work capacity is strong and you've got the ability to be able to not so much run out games but to be able to sort of um uh you know have the the the, the fitness in the bank but also to have the skill set that you had um you know you can uh, adapt to any situation and so forth too because you've, you've done the work and um you know uh i just watch you you know get better and better you know week on week um because you you did work hard and you seem to have plenty of energy left at, at the end of the games most games anyway yeah absolutely mate and you know it probably took me you know one or two years to to realize how you know how hard you had to work so once i uh got the, you know the gas of that and what i had to do like the rest sort of looked after itself i knew i had you know obviously had the, had the talent and that's one thing I tried try to sell to my young fella coming through now and, and my youngest fella coming through now. It's about, you know, you can have all the talent under the world, but it's more about, you know, what are you doing when not, someone else is not, you know, when they're, when they're not doing anything, what are you doing to get better? So Yes, agree. That's what I try to do, and in the end, that's, you know, you only, what you put in is what you get out. So I sort of took me a little bit, you know, to, to work that out, but once I did it, then, you know, sort of spurred me on. Yeah, mate, and um, we've all seen the, the guys that are, you know, extremely talented and gifted, but the ones that work harder are the ones that, you know, really succeed because they, they've they just got that, that groundedness and the grit in them to be able to, you know, want to try and achieve and get the best out of themselves. There's been some terrific tri- tri- guys come onto this podcast, like Dale Morris and so forth, which never gave up, you know, sort of four, four years in the VFL and then sort of getting a chance and, you know, sort of results that come from that but uh, just the determination and the ability to be able to accept 
not being accepted uh, and then just keep keep going about their business and working hard I think is a you know, credit uh, to them and yourself as individuals to, to not sort of be uh, distracted by um, um, you know not getting an opportunity but to be able to sort of accept um, the circumstances that you're in and, and continually try and get better yeah absolutely I mean, Dale Morris is probably the perfect example because um, you know, I'm sure Dale would tell you himself he, he was never the the most gifted player in the side, but what he was is a guy that gave himself 100%, mm. and he did give 100% when he when he trained. I have no doubt. He only had to look at, look at the way he, he shaped his body, and he was in ripping neck. Mm. So you can tell he's a guy that um, did everything right off field, and you just you know the way he played, he's a guy that you'd, you'd run out, run out with every week. So for him, it was just about playing good footy, persistent, and that's what he did. And in the end. Like a lot of people, I reckon, that's running around in the lower competitions now, it's sometimes it's just about being in the right place, getting an opportunity, and that's all it takes. Yes, yeah, absolutely agree, mate. And we'll talk about your opportunity uh, as we go here, but what was it like to sort of go from Tasmania to South Australia and go into that competition? Was it a step up in standard, or how did you, uh, how did you sort of settle into that environment? Yeah, I definitely think the competition was better. I wouldn't say it was a massive step. It was just... Uh, for me, it was, a, um, it was more about just moving away for a different challenge, to be, to be honest. I just got playing life member with, with the Devils. Um, we had the alignment with North Melbourne, and it wasn't really working, in my opinion. Well, mm. I suppose the person you put in it didn't really work at all. But yeah. um, for me, it was just about going away, um, experiencing something different. It was a good opportunity for my, for my wife as well to, to sort of move away and um, the plan was just to go away and if we didn't like it, you know, you can always come home. So we went to South Australia and um, the bit I loved over there was a real club club feel. Like it was it was like the Tassie Tassie like the devil side was yes. you know, when we when we didn't have the alignment, it was more like that feeling, like a real club feel. So, you know, we were getting two to three thousand people to home games, even more, probably four or five back back when I first went. Mm. So it was just good to experience that and I went to a club that had been reasonably successful. They were just coming off losing a grand final, and they were really hungry. We, they, we, you know, we recruited pretty well. I think we recruited four or five the same year I went, and I think we only lost two games that year. And yeah, so it was just an unbelievable standard of footy, and um, they're probably a bit bigger bodies. I suppose the VFL was more about a lot of uh, kids that had been drafted, a lot of young guys, mm. so they were a lot smaller. Whereas the sample was more about bigger guys that have been been in the system or were trying to get in the system that had been you know that are a lot bigger. But yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. More mature. Just just before we sort of get onto that, like with regards to the North Melbourne thing, thing, my observation was it was not a great move and not a great idea at the time. And there's obviously people that had the same opinion in Tassie. Um, you know, why do you think they actually went that way? It was a shame because what you were doing was working really well and obviously they wanted to try and get to the next level and, you know, there was uh, some opinions around that but I, I just think it sort of took the fabric out of what you were, what you were doing and, the, you know, I suppose the outfit that you had. Oh, absolutely, mate. And I've got, it's, no, it's, it's no one's fault. It's not North Melbourne's fault or anything like that but in the end it just, it didn't work in the fact that you know, we, we had guys that were playing, you know, playing for us. That basically, their number one thing was to play AFL footy. Yeah. And for us, our our number one thing was to play finals and, and be competitive and mm. ultimately win a grand final. So in the end, that's the reason they went down that path. I think we just come off losing the prelim. And I remember sitting at Cooley's Hotel at a pub down here in, in Hobart on a Sunday about, you know, asking the players about, you know, do we want the... Uh, want the alignment and all the boys didn't want it but I think I think it had already been signed off to be totally honest and in the end we had to we had no choice they they thought I think we only had half of alignment so it was an alignment but half an alignment so we were supposed to get six to eight players every week Mm. and they thought that was the best opportunity for us to go on and win a premiership but none of none of us none of us players wanted it but in the end we had to deal with it and it just didn't work yeah. They try to make it work. They try to extra- heaps of things, but you know, obviously, when you got guys coming down just on a Friday night, they don't really know the fabric of Tasmanian footy. They tried. They tried to buy him, but in the end, you got guys wanting to play AFL footy, and it just didn't work. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no, no, I understand. It was obvious. There's, there's no doubt about that. And it's really good to see you know, you know and hear you, your honesty there. 
uh, with regards to it because, you know, it's in the past now. And um, I remember you saying or someone saying when the Devil's Program sort of finished, you know, it just feels like it wasn't worth it, uh, you know, everything we put in, um, which is a real shame because, mate, I... I just, I just loved it and I loved you know, going to the games and it sort of, the, the wind went out of the sails really quickly over those last few years. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Obviously, I wasn't here when, when they were there last year, but it's extremely disappointing for me because I'm supposed to be a playing life member. Playing life member was 100 games, which I got to, and now that's not, not around. So yes, yes. I just feel, just feel a little bit empty because yep. you sort of know all that. You know, I played 110 games, I think, in the end, mm. which is nearly half, you know, half my career. Yes. So in the end, you do all that, and then all of a sudden, you've sort of got nothing to hang on for. I, obviously, you know, I was lucky enough to win the JJ Liston Trophy. Like, I, you know, maybe I'm remembered in Melbourne for a little bit mm. because I've, and my name's up on the board, but I'm not really remembered here because we haven't got a side. So yes, it's yep. just it's a little bit flat. But we've got the Devils program, the Under 18 program coming down. You know, down here, so hopefully over time they maybe get a few of us older blokes back involved and try and create a culture coming through for the young under 18 kids or maybe with the AFL side hopefully coming in and they get the VFL side up and going and then they get that, you know, get our names back up and board or I'm not sure how that'll work but yeah, who knows, it is a little bit of an empty feeling. Yeah, I certainly hope so mate, I'd love to see it, you know, it's such an important thing for the for the state, the community, for, for young people coming through, for older people that just like to, you know, be involved with sport at such a, a leveller, you know, and um, I just hope that uh, they get it right this time and they can, you know, continue on and make sure that uh, that, that, that the sustainable program sort of gets implemented down there and it does work, you know, because, you know, the state without sort of high-level football, top-level football will be lost in many ways, and I just reckon that... Um, um, you know, if they're smart about it over the next few years, it'll it'll eventuate and happen. Yeah, well, let's hope so, mate. Because in you know, footy's in in a not not in a terrible way, but it's it's struggling down here. Like a lot of guys are choosing to play in the amateurs and and that sort of thing. So and we need to get an AFL side in to really underpin that, and then we sort of build from there. Get it back into schools, get our programs up and going, just to put a bit more money back into the footy, and yeah, hopefully. Um, It'll, snow, it'll definitely snowball from there. It'll take off again. So you spent like four or five years with Central Districts, is that right? Yeah, I spent five... I, I spent five years at Centrals and then got drafted, and then I was still still a Centrals player, I think, for 2011 and 2012, and 13th when the VFL side... Uh, the, um, sorry, the, the Sample side came in. Mm, amazing, mate. So, so how many premierships did you play with in those years? So I went there in 2007. So I won 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, and then lost in 2011 by three points. Jesus, unbelievable. So you would never have played in a grand final throughout your whole career up until the time going over there? No, I played. I was lucky enough to play in a Clarence one when I was 17. True. In 2020, so I'd, I'd played Mariners all year. I only played three games. I'm not sure if you remember it. It's the game that they flew back up to York Park in a helicopter and uh, weed on the ground. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I was uh, lucky enough to play in that. I was only 17, so... You weren't on the helicopter, where? No, no, I wasn't on the helicopter. I wasn't old enough to be on that <laughs> helicopter. Only the big dogs were on that. <laughs> So can you name some of the players that you played with that year? Uh, yeah, there was Gavin Cooney, yep. Darren Winter. He would have been uh, on the plane, yeah, on the, yeah. On the helicopter, yeah. Uh, Trent Nichols, Peter Ritchie. Yeah. Um, Budgie Gapen. Yeah. Brett Gapen played in that. Yeah. His brother Cat Gapen played in that. Yeah. Uh, Craig Miller, I don't know if you remember Craig Miller. No, no. He played on a wing. He was a good player. He played, he played Mariners. Uh, Anthony Cole. Mm-hmm. He played from. He played a few actually. I think Coley. I'm not sure how many he played in the end, but he played in a few. Uh, I'm trying to think who else played in that. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to stretch your memory too much, but um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, like oh, Scott Allen played in that. I don't know if you remember Scott oh, yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah, he was he was awesome. Icky Date. I still remember him. Icky Date. You played for Hawthorne too, didn't you, for a while? Bulldogs. Bulldogs, that's right, yeah, unreal. He's an unbelievable, unbelievable left and right foot kick. He's one of the best I've seen. Mate, you, you had some pretty um, pretty um, hardened fellows in that team. 
Yeah, absolutely, mate. And that's and that, 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 that's what I was saying earlier. Like in the end, I got to play with a couple of those guys. Like Gavin Cooney ended up playing a year in the, in the, in the VFL with us as well. Like mm. um, we had Matthew Jones. I don't know if you remember Jughead Jones. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was unbelievable. He played a couple of years at Centrals as well before that. The year before that, but um, they were just animals, and they just it was good just to watch them guys how they went about it. So um, oh, yeah, yeah, they they looked after me. Good old days back then, where you could get away oh, with flying it to Launceston and pissing on the middle of York Park in a helicopter. You wouldn't get away with it now. No, absolutely, you would not. You would not get away. I tell you, it was coaching North Lonson. We played North Lonson. Gary McIntosh was coaching North Lonnie. Yeah, right. And what what do you think about it? Do you reckon? Well, I don't think they were too happy. Because I think they, <laughs> they were even there. They were even there um, drinking. I think they were at the ground drinking, and they seen the helicopter. But I think. I think they understood it. They didn't really say anything about it because I think it's just been a tradition. I yes. think they all used to do it at North Hobart and then I suppose being the first one up there, they end up deciding to get a helicopter and who we'll, we'll organise it or anything like that, but <laughs> they decided to do it. <laughs> Unbelievable, mate. Would have been good to see a video of that, but anyway, probably never never happened. If we had mobile phones back then, it might have been a different story. But... No, well, I think, I think the news might have. I think, when, I think it was on Wing News. True, unbelievable. I remember seeing the helicopter. It was a yellow helicopter. I don't know if you've seen the, the Tasmanian um, Hall of Fame picture, the one they did. Oh. Is it? They've drawn the helicopter in that. Really? Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I have. You know, yeah, you're right. Yeah. The Team yeah. of the Century one? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got the helicopter in that in that. Unreal. Oh, mate. Anyone listening to this, like some of the people that were in that, uh, in that Tasmanian Team of the Century, like pretty amazing, eh? And uh, you know, they probably there's there's well to be honest with you, there's been some great players that have sort of come this century into the AFL. Like, you know, Jack Rewalt, and you might have played with Jack, but some others that have come through that are you know really starting to hit their marker, uh, you know, in the league as well. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Jack Rewalt, I was lucky enough to play with Jack. I knew he was going to be a star. He kicked five as a seventeen-year-old playing VFL. Was unbelievable mm. athlete at seventeen, but mm. he's a terrific guy. He comes. A lot of people talk about him being a little bit arrogant and, and that sort of thing, but he's an absolute—he's an absolute gentleman. He's a great fella, and he gets everything he deserves. You'll probably go down. You'll go down as in the top, you know, seven or eight players of Tasmania of all time. I reckon. Mm. If you have a look at his record, mm, for sure, mate. Great, great family. Chris, I think, is his father and all that, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, just really good to watch his journey too. I remember watching him play his first game against Brighton, and he was fourteen, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For, for Clarence, you know, and Darren Winter was protecting him, you know, in the forward line. It was uh, really, really terrific to watch, you know. And I sort of knew then that he was going to, um, going to make it because he listened, you know. He he wasn't arrogant, really. I suppose from my point of view, but he uh, he actually um, embraced what he was being told, and and I think he might have kicked four or five goals that game as well as a fourteen year old. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And that's the quite good thing about the Clarence boys. Like you had guys at Windy and Dan, Danny Holm, mm-hmm. uh, Matty Jones, that, them sort of guys that were seasoned campaigners that you knew just knew that they had your back. So mm-hmm. you, as a young fellow, could just go out and play your role and just play footy, and you knew you were always going to be protected. Mm, amazing, mate. Tell me. Um, so obviously, the Central Districts thing went pretty well for you. What was it like to actually like finally get an opportunity to get onto an AFL list? Yeah, it was unbelievable, mate. It was it was a fun. It was a strange the way it happened. To be honest, I'm really good. Oh, really good mates with Hamish Ogilvy, which is um, the recruiting officer from Adelaide and still is to this day. But um, he he coached the the um, the Mariners down here when I was playing VFL, so he was coaching boys, the young fellas, and he sort of kept an eye on me through the way. And then when when I went to South Australia, he was lucky enough to get the Adelaide job. And I remember we won the grand final in 2010. And, it was about, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, I got a phone call from, from Hamish and he said, oh, look, we want to catch up and have a coffee. Uh, Neil, Craig and I want to catch up and have a coffee. And I thought he was absolutely taking the <laughs> mickey out of it. We were still on the drink, to be totally honest. We, you know, we'd just come off winning a flag. I was 27, you know, turning 28 at the end of that year. I just thought he was joking. And then I said, oh, mate, stop being an idiot. And then he said, no, nah, look, I'll, I won't talk to you now, but I'll give you a ring in the next couple of days. I just sort of hung up and just never even really thought about it again. To be honest, I just thought he was re- really mucking around and then he rang me, you know, three or four days later and said, look, we've got to go and have this coffee. And I thought, oh, Jesus. So mm. I um, yeah, went and had a coffee with Craig and he basically said, look, mate, come in to train if you can get through training, do a six-week block. We're pretty much, you know, 
we uh, won't guarantee you, but if you can get through the training, you'll be a good chance to be picked up. So, mm. lucky enough, I would, I'd got myself super fit at the end of end of '09. So, at 2010 season, I was really fit, and um, yeah, went to training and wasn't never ever the greatest runner, but I just ran in the middle of the pack where I, you know, didn't stand out running wise, but I weren't at the back either. So, but I was mm. I was good running, really good times for the way that I'd trained, and um, yeah, the rest. Uh, Looked after itself and yeah, got through the training and yeah, lucky enough they were to pick me. Mm, amazing, mate. Um, well, firstly, like you know, you've got to be proud of yourself to, to give yourself that opportunity to be there. But um, yeah, full credit to to, to Hamish and, and and Neil for giving you an opportunity at twenty eight, mate. Because I, I reckon I reckon you were probably the oldest rookie. Um, you know, uh, probably still to this day. Um, but you know you capitalise on your on your opportunities and, and chances as well, which we'll, we'll talk about more. But so, did you have a bit of a nervous period? Um, you know, from that moment where you sort of first rocked up through that six weeks, do you think will I or won't I? Yeah, absolutely, you do. I just the thing I was lucky lucky enough. I'd done the work in the preseason leading in before that. I'd you know leading into two thousand and ten. I knew I'd done the work and got myself super fit. I was light. As I could possibly get, I was playing at about seventy kilos. I normally play at probably about seventy-four kilos. But I was sixty-nine, seventy kilos, so I knew it was going to be super fit. And I wasn't anxious about how I was going to run because I knew, like, I knew I wasn't going to win the running, but I knew I wasn't going to be at the back either. Mm-hmm. So I had great confidence that if I could get myself, you know, just running mid-pack, I knew my skills and my skill level, and my game now would, would would stand up. It was just a matter about getting through the training and. Um, yeah, just rocking up and ticking, ticking the days off. And, uh, yeah, I remember the day came to the rookie draft. They basically still had told them if they were going to take me. And I was sitting around the computer listening to the rookie draft and all the boys are sort of sitting around me. There's about 10 or seven, ten or 12 boys sitting around me waiting for my name to be called out. So mm. I still to this day don't know what I would have done if they didn't read it out. Mm. What? It was, it was sort of late, wasn't it, like the, the number? Yeah, I think it was 64 or something. Jesus, so all these other clubs had this chance to pick up Ian Cullen and they never did. No, no, that's just the way it goes, mate. I was obviously in the right place at the right time. Mm, and Yeah, and again, full credit to the Crows for giving you a crack. So, so once you... you David, got... Noble's, David Noble's probably another guy that I haven't really mentioned. He was doing list management as well, so he would have had a big... He would have had a big say in where... You know, Amos is obviously the recruiting guy, but then you got Noves was doing the list management. He's got a ticket off as well, so... He's another guy that probably deserves a mention as well. Yeah, well said, mate. Tell me, um, once you once you got that opportunity, then you you basically become a full time footballer. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, mate. So in the end, like um, I get asked this question all the time. Like obviously, people say, "Oh, yeah, you would have made good money going to the AFL." But for me, I, in the end, I was taking pay cut. To be honest, yeah, you know, I was working full time. On really good money doing air conditioning, refrigeration. I was working for a great company over there, a family company, in, um, Williams Re- Re- Air, uh, Refrigeration Air Conditioning. So mm-hmm. I was doing that and then and then um, playing for Centrals. So in the end, I was just getting a rookie contract at, at the Crows. So in the end, I'm probably taking a pay cut. But in the end, at my age and wanting to play for footy, you've got to roll the dice and, and take that challenge. And yeah, uh, yeah, lucky it worked out the way it did. Mm, incredible. So, so yeah, you started, and then 2011 season sort of come round. Did you get an opportunity to play like early in the season, or how did the the season pan out for you? Yeah, well, it's a strange season because I um I played every NAB Cup game, and in the last NAB Cup game we played um we played Carlton Princess Park. I never forget it. I went to tackle Chris Yaron, and he hit me in the bicep. And I thought, oh, geez, just hurt, and then sort of kept playing and played another about another quarter. And they thought I just had a corky. And then in the second quarter, I um, came off the ground and took the tape off my arm, and my bicep had folded up into into the in the top of my arm. So I would snapped the uh, tendon of tendon of off, off the bone. So I ended up missing sixteen weeks. Ah, oh, true, unbelievable. So, so they obviously looked after you through that period. You probably couldn't do a lot, but when, when you when you come out uh, of that injury, how long did it take you before you got a game? Well, it wasn't too long in the end because the way it worked out, I was absolutely flying, super fit because I 
don't know if you remember Charlie Walsh. No, I the don't cycling know. coach. Yeah, yeah. He was a cycling coach. He was really good friends with Craigie. Yeah, I mean, I was cycling two times a day, basically for probably two months. I was absolutely flying. Come out, and then I was touching the balls and, and got myself up and going. But then I basically played a half in for Centrals and then played a full game. And then Centrals were due to have a bye. So Craigie said, "Look, we need a player." I think, and even I think the split, the split round might have been the split round might have even fell around then. Mm. So basically, it was either play me now or we're going to have to wait another two or three weeks. So we decided to roll the dice and end up playing me after about a game and a half. And I made my debut against Geelong down in Kadinia um, Park or Skilled Stadium, whatever they call it now, or GHBA, <laughs> whatever they call it now. It's had that many names. Yeah, of course. Mate, so... He was only about six at the time, got to come over with me and he, he presented me with my jumper. Jeez. So that was a, I met, never forget that he was kicking the ball out in the oval before the game and yeah, it was just a great, great feeling. Obviously we didn't get the result. We uh, we wanted, oh, I think I ended up having probably, you know, 22, 23 touches and kicking a goal on the boost. So yeah, it was a reasonable memory for me, but not for the team. 22 touches, did you say? Yeah, yep. Mm, that's a yeah, good good return, mate, for sure. Like, it's it's interesting that you strike me as someone that doesn't really reflect on on you know on stuff too much. But did you actually like get out there and think, fuck, you know, I've sort of made it, or I'm sort of I'm so grateful that I'm actually here to experience this opportunity after all these years? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I've been asked that question in the end. It was more it was more about proving something to myself, like yeah. everyone else. You know, we're hoping that it was going to happen and all this sort of thing, but it was me. It was just a good, good feeling for myself knowing that if I didn't ever ever played another game, that I proved to myself that I could play at level. Yeah, yeah. And you don't really know that, and I would never have known that if I didn't get that opportunity. So even if I did play and I didn't get a kick, there maybe you know maybe I weren't good enough to play at level, but to mm. tick that box to say yeah I've been able to play an AFL game and to play you know okay just proved to myself that. Um, you know, could could play at the level. Yeah, I had no doubt, mate. Oh, for sure, as a spectator, but uh, certainly it's different when you're in the uh, in the shoes of the player. But but yeah, mate, you you is very humble about it, and that's what I admire about you. But but you know, I think um, you know from there, uh, you obviously got some more games that season uh, towards the end of the season. I don't think you played finals that year. Is that right? No, no, we were, we were pretty ordinary that year. That, that was the year Craigie ended up resigning halfway through the year and then Bickley took over. Mm. So in my second game, I ended up doing my hamstring. So that cost me another four weeks. And then it was basically the end of the year. And then they played me in the last game against West Coast. And we ended up, we ended up getting beat by about 100 points. <laughs> and then um, I was a bit concerned, actually. I thought, oh, you know, I've only played... About the three, I've only played the three games. I've been injured most of the year. Um, will they hang on to you? Will they hang on to me? And then Sando, Sando came in and he basically just said to me, mate, no, you're going to be fine. No, mm. he said, you're going to be fine. Just make sure you get yourself right. Go have a really good pre-season. We've got a new fitness guy come in. We've got Nick Paulos, a new weights guy that just came on, who currently now works at GWS, but he was big on leg weights and mm. deadlifts. We did a, a massive pre-season I don't know if Sando, that was a Sando thing coming from Geelong with the bigger bodies and that sort of thing. So we got ourselves, you know, I was playing, playing at about 69 kilos and in the, end, the next year I played at about 74 mm. and just covered the ground really well, but I was a lot more stronger around the ball and that sort of thing. And I think I ended up playing about 25 games the next year. Mm. Uh, yeah, unbelievable, mate. Oh, just, just on that. We talk about mental health a lot, obviously. I reckon if you can get your legs nice and strong, it makes you mentally feel like, like, like you know, I suppose a bit more aligned. And um, did you find that you actually felt really good within yourself because you did that extra work into your legs? Yeah, absolutely, mate. What people probably don't realise, it's a lot of injury prevention stuff as well. Yeah. So you get, you get your core, 
core stability in your link, your legs and that sort of thing. Because in the end, that's what you use the most of. Yes, that's right. You get most of that right, and then you miss, you know, you don't miss any of the pre-season. You get all, and you tick all the boxes through the weights program and that sort of thing. It holds you in really good stead. And, mm. You know, the amount of guys you see that can't do the pre-season and then they try and catch up, they end up having a year where they play two, miss four, play two, miss three. Yeah. You just can't catch it up. So. Yeah, I had a ripping pre-season. We got a lot bigger, and yeah, just held me in really good stead. Yeah, mate, and 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 yeah, hit on something really I'm, I'm passionate about, which I, I can't do where I live at the moment anymore. But uh, deadlifts. If anyone wants to do a, an exercise which can just hit every muscle and and get yeah your spine aligned and your whole body working well, I think it's a tremendous movement to be able to to do and and progress. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely, mate. We did uh, thousands of deadlifts. And- um, snatch and clean, mm. that sort of stuff. Squats, like that, we were massive on it that preseason. Deadlift was probably the number one one they'd driven home. Mm. Amazing. So, so you you played twenty five games that year. You were a rookie at the start of the year, and you got a you got a, a senior contract throughout that season. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was good. I was just good recognition to you know sort of tick a box, but um, in the end it was. No different, really. It was just for me. I was just trying to play as many games I could and play the best footy I could because I knew it wasn't going to last forever. And I was lucky enough just to, you know, tick some games off here and there and be be involved in a good program, and a good system, and meet some really good people. So, mate, you you went from like being an ordinary team the year before, but that year you played finals. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think the playing group were just ready for a change. Like. I can only speak from my experience, but Craig was unbelievable for me, the way he got him to train, but, you know, he's big on the bike riding and that sort of thing, so, mm. you know, maybe the playing group was starting to get a bit stale, and Craig knew that boy, that's why he resigned, so, yeah. and then Sandy came in, we definitely had some talent there, um, we're just more about probably just get fresh in them to join up, and someone coming in with some different ideas, and yeah, really snowballed, and um, we were big on, we were massive on having a massive pre-season, we wanted to win the pre-season cup. Yep. The NAB Cup, it was called then. We won the NAB Cup. Just so it t- taught good habits. And yes. taught about winning and it meant going into the season where we were up and up and about and, and doing well. So we end up, yeah, we get knocked out in the prelim that year. So, oh, so, so you played in that in that game as well, like in the finals? Yeah, yep, absolutely. I think Cyril kicked the last goal. I think they end up beat, they beat us by three points. Jesus. That was at uh, Hawthorne. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you're testing my memory now, but um, but yeah, mate. They end up losing Hawthorne. Sydney end up beating them in the grand final. Incredible, mate. Jeez. That's the one Malchowski kicked that goal over his head. That's right. Yeah, yeah, God, unbelievable. I never realised yeah. that you actually like played that 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 full season and then obviously right into the finals as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mate. Well, um, one kick away. Jeez. One kick away from a grand final, and and to skip to, for someone that's come from the Tassie Devils and, and into a into a program like that, obviously uh, you know into a, an outfit like Central Districts, mate, that would have been incredible for you if you actually had a got there. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, oh, I'll never forget it. Graham John kicked kicked the goal with about three minutes to go, and there's about seventy thousand people there, and it was mm. just the biggest roar I've ever heard. And then literally, they got the next clearance basically, and Cyril kicked one, and the loud was even. The roar was even louder, and then yeah, mm, we sort nice. of went forward, and uh, we just sort of mucked, mucked the last forward play up, and um, yeah, way it went. Silently. mate. Just uh, just on on that, and uh, your observation in the AFL, who was the best player that you ever ever like observed in another side? Another side, probably Gary Abbott Junior, mate. He was just. He was so far much better than anyone else. Mm. He just couldn't tackle him. Yep, yep. And um, I, he, I reckon his kicks underrated as well. And you don't mention much about his kick either. He, he never really used to punish his kicks. He used to sit him out in front of him and just guide him there. And mm. it, was just, oh, it was just unbelievable to watch him. He just couldn't tackle him. Mm. Did you get to play against him? Obviously. Yeah, I played against him. Yeah, yeah. I think he kicked four or five one game against us. We we smacked him, but he still kicked four. I think. Yeah, and you was he much bigger than you? Do you think? He was a lot thicker than me. Like his core stability was unbelievable. Yeah. Like how, if you go back and look at his career, I, I don't reckon there'd be you wouldn't find t- ten times where he we go to ground. Yeah, 
His work ethic was incredible, mate. That's why I watched him uh, early in his career and what he used to do and so forth. And yeah, just, you know, th- those sorts of um, attributes don't just sort of happen naturally, but the work that goes no. into them, uh, you know, is vitally important because as we sort of spoke about before, if you, you do the work, then the results really take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you have a look back now, I don't know if you remember where they had, they, they had their um, review. That was the feedback for Gary that he needed to start working a bit harder. Oh, Obviously, what? he had the talent. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. He, he Like his first couple of years, he sort of just cruised around and they told him, mate, if you, you could be probably the best player of all time if you do the right thing here. And mm. He took that on board and just, well, the rest is history. Mm. Incredible. One of the best players I've seen. Yeah, well, his dad was probably one of the best players I've seen, but he probably didn't work that hard. He was he was pretty natural. Nah, but, um, his, dad's the, his dad's my favourite player of all time. I grew up there for too long, so. Yeah, unreal. He's the best He's the best player I've seen. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, same, mate. Like, yes, that's a, that's a podcast for another day, that one. But it's just, yeah, it's amazing to, to, to see, you know, what you've been through as far as, know your career and then sort of get into a stage where you're playing against places players like that so you had the you had that season then the next season you you're obviously a, a fully contracted player as well yeah absolutely yep yeah and what was that like for you yeah it was pretty good i had another no, i had hurt my knee earlier in that year as well and i ended up hurting medial the week before the first game and then we had the buy we had that you know they had the buy before the first mm-hmm. week yep so I heard it in the last NAB Cup game again, and then in hindsight, I missed. I ended up missing round one and then playing round two. Mm-hmm. But what I should have did, I never really ever had the scan, and really should have. I really probably really should have scanned it because I ended up playing round two wasn't right, and then went, they sent me back to the sample and just to be totally honest, I was just battling around in the twos. wasn't even should have been dominating really, but wasn't. I'm yeah. still battling through it with a sore knee, and in the end, about halfway through the year, I end up having a cortisone jab in my knee, and then in the end, I end up fighting back and playing late in the year. But in hindsight, what I should have done is taken probably four or five weeks, had had scanned four or five weeks. But when you're playing for your life, mm. you just wanted to play every week. Yes. In the end, I should have just spoke up and said, "Look, my knee's not 100 percent right. Mm. It needs." Need, need to have a scan or need to do whatever and take in the four or five weeks and then and you only miss, you know, you're probably back by around five or six. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And me being me, being me trying to <laughs> play every week. And, and, and you, oh, were, yeah. you and every other male out there, they would have been doing the same thing, mate, don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. in the end, mate, aren't you? Like, it's just a, you just never, at my age, it was just a matter of, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I should have spit the ball and, and taken the four or five weeks and got myself right, and because I would have got back into the team. But in the end, I just and in the end, the game probably looked like it was going past me because I just wasn't covering the ground as well as I should have been. Yeah, how did that that season unfold for you? I ended up playing, I think, five or six games, mm-hmm. and then there was a bit of groundswell for the Eddie Betts. That's mm-hmm. where the that's where young Eddie came in, and, and the club were wonderful. They just said, "Look, if we can get Eddie." You know that'll probably be the end. Mm. If we can't, you know, we'll give you. You know, we obviously give you another year, but we're keen for you to come on board and coach our, um, be a coach or and, and captain our SANFL side. Mm. And then, yeah, obviously they got Eddie, and that's one of the best things they did because he, he was unbelievable for them. So mm. you know, he's an unbelievable human. But I was lucky enough to get, get on get on the coaching side of things and and you know still play Sanford footy and captain and captain and the young fellas coming through. Yeah, mate, absolutely, yeah. and you know. Again, full credit to the Crows for giving you that opportunity and, and, and what come from that, mate. And, and you were so humble to move out of that career, what, 32 games or something? Yeah, 30, I think it was about 32 games. And, um, oh, it was unbelievable, mate. And I've still got some great... Oh, I was lucky enough to only play 32, but I've still got some great great mates that, that played there and still catch up with them and talk to them and do all that sort of stuff. So it's mm, great. Amazing, mate. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, you... You, you took the hard road or the, you know, not so much it wasn't by choice for you, but, uh, you know, just that journey and to be able to have the maturity to sort of go through that, that, that career with the Crows and come out the other side and help those young fellas is, is a real credit to you and them. But, you know, sort of footy took a bit of a different um, journey for you from there. Like you decided you'd move back from Tas- uh, to Tasmania not long after that? 
Yeah, pretty much, mate. My wife and I have been in, in South Australia for basically 10 years, and we'd had two kids, so we had Jack and Harry, and we were due to have our third, so we decided that um, we'd come home if uh, my wife could get a transfer. She works at Centrelink and mm-hmm. got a really good job there, and it was more about her, so she put in for a transfer. So basically it was if she got a transfer to come home, we'd come home. If, if we could, couldn't, we would have stayed, but she was lucky enough that um, she's good at her job and they let her come and do it from Tasmania. So we, uh, all her family and all my family live down here, so we were lucky enough to have our third child down here in Grace, little girl. So, yeah, that was the main reason to come home, basically just for family. It was nothing to do with me playing footy or anything like that. It was just a good opportunity to come home and, mm. and be around our family. Yeah, tremendous, mate. And... Um you obviously played a bit of footy down there when you went back. Did you find like it was a bit of a standard drop, obviously, which it would have been, but uh, did you find that you fitted in to the environment again pretty well? Much had changed within Tasmanian football from when you left it. Oh, it had changed heaps, mate. It's, oh, I feel sorry for the club. They just run on the smell of an oily rag, you know. Mm. It's, it's hard to get vision, like taping games and, and that sort of thing, so... To be totally honest, mate, I probably wasn't wasn't as fit as I should have been when I came back. It was, um, I didn't take it for granted. It was more about, um, you know, just coming back. Should have been should have been fitter than I was. I still played reasonable footy, but I should have been playing better footy than I did. I played pretty well the first year. Second year, I was I was pretty injured. I was I was probably pretty banged up. But um, I enjoyed the footy, the footy, the guys, and that were unbelievable. But I just feel sorry for the club. They just, you know, they run on the smell of an oily rag and, mm. you know, just a small thing like vision behind the goals. The clubs just can't afford cameras to bloody film behind goals and that mm. sort of thing. And yeah. It just, um, it was just a frust- just frustrating mm-hmm. couple of years, really. And then I decided to go and play in the amateurs. I had more, more fun playing in the amateurs and enjoyment playing in the amateurs where the boys, you know, really... Um, Train, train, train hard, but wasn't too serious where it was in your face. They wanted to win, but it wasn't too serious where mm. it was too full on. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. You're right because you're in such a strong outfit over there with centrals and the crows and that, and to be able to go back into that environment where you know it could have been better, um, and you know if the, the investment was in Tasmanian football, it could have been better. Uh, it, it should be better, you know. Primarily, it's been neglected for many years down there, but. Um, um, you know, um, the standards got a got a got a lift. You know, we're, we're talking thirty odd years since uh, since it's been a great standard at local footy level down there. You know, and um, uh, it's got a got a change. I, I think in the future for the young fellas coming through, but also the good of the game within the state. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like even like having physios and club doctors, I was struggling mm. to get any of those sort of people there and to help. Yeah. Volunteers and help, and whereas at sample level and at AFL level, you get all, you, you sort of get all that stuff. Yep, absolutely. So clubs just, you know, it's all okay to get heaps of volunteers, but you, the clubs still got to have money where they can get club doctors. And you know, I remember playing VFL, you'd have a club doctor there on a Monday night, physios on a Monday night, and on a Tuesday night they'd be there. And mm. you know, I remember playing away in Burnie one game, and a young fellow was only fifteen playing his first game, like. It was, well, I think it was 75 bucks to stay in Bernie. Like, so in the end, he's having to pay on top of, he's getting $50 to play, mm. $75 to pay for his room. Oh, in the end, it's costing him to play. Like, and he's playing his first game as a 15-year-old kid. Like, just that sort of stuff. So you were playing for really? Clarence. You were playing for Clarence and you went up there to play Bernie in the uh, in the State League. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And you had to pay for your own room. Oh, jeez. Fair dinkum. You know, it was all right for me. I was I was getting reasonable money, but for a guy that's fifteen years old, mm. and you're expecting, and then then obviously they, you got to buy your own meals, and soon then it would cost you to play. Yeah, that sucks, and that's where the AFL's got to step up to help you guys. You know, to be able to go and do that, and it's not just about you as an individual in the club. It's about what that what that game can do for other young people and and and, and men. And, and people in general in the community, you know, it's not just so much um, an individual thing or, a, you know, a, a, a competition thing. It's so much more than that. You, you saw what you were getting in Adelaide to, to, to club games, you know, three, 4,000 people. Like, you could be getting that in Tasmania if they actually, like, um, started to restructure the way they actually did things. And oh, I believe, mate, 
One thing that works really well in Victoria that doesn't happen in Tasmania is football and netballs together. And I reckon if that happened in Tassie, uh, then that would pull in more crowds and have more of a community feel and a community environment around it, both you know, at the regional league levels, uh, but also at that state league level. How good would it be for, for Launceston playing, you know, uh, Clarence, and then you've got the netball playing alongside that? I just think it would just bring more people through the gate and uh, it would, um, you know, just, just shift things uh, in general. Would would you agree? Yeah, absolutely, mate. They do that in South Australia as well. Mm. They have netball clubs and that sort of thing. Not not necessarily at Sanford level, but they do it at the other levels, at amateur levels and their Division 1s and all that sort of thing. They all have the netball club and the football club all at once. So mm. I could see it being a huge benefit of myself. Yeah, no doubt, mate. We'll go and have a yak to whoever's running the show over there at the moment and see if you can get twist their arm because oh, it's something that I bought up there 15 years ago and they weren't really keen you know, and interested in that, but... You know, geez, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. You know, you, you, you provide facilities and, and gateways for people to collaborate and they come together and it just uh, just changes um, changes people's lives. You know, that's what's missing, I think, um, you know, in a lot of people's lives in general is that opera, isolation in some ways, that separation. But if we can pull things together and, and collaborate more, I just think it, it can be a win-win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I totally agree. So tell me, um, you got a bit crook over the recent times. You you had a stroke, is that right? Yeah, I had a stroke in uh, a couple of years ago, and yeah, so it was a bit of a bit of a scare. But um, mm. um, yeah, I've come out the other side. I'm doing reasonably well. I, um, physically, I'm fine. I just uh, struggle with fatigue a little bit, but mm. um, just got back to work full time after about. I think it's about 19, 20 months, so, um, yeah, sort of getting back to that, and, uh, yeah, thank you, my lucky stars. How did that all come about, mate? Well, to uh, cut a long story short, I basically ended up finding a hole in my heart, so obviously I've strained to do something or copped a knock somewhere and got a bit of a clot, and obviously it's got through the the hole in the heart and up up into the brain, and, yeah, woke up one morning not feeling too great. Uh, couldn't feel the whole right side of my body and then yeah basically rushed rushed up into hospital and uh, yeah they ended up finding that I had a stroke so unbelievable so did that uh, impair you like you know physically did you like sort of lose vision in one eye was one part of your body affected anything like that no nah, not really so where I had the stroke is called the cerebellum so yep. I basically just lost all balance and all all feeling in my right side so mm. Mm. Um, yeah, basically, basically, look, I had about 35 beers on a Saturday night and <laughs> stumbling around, so, um, yeah. The stroke I had, the cerebellum, I'm pretty lucky in the end because they basically told me it either kills you straight away, like it's one of the worst ones you can have, but if you can survive it, it's one of the um, most successful recovery ones you can have, so. Mm, amazing, mate. Lucky for me, I've uh, <laughs> survived it. And it was a slow process for you to come good? Yeah, pretty much, mate. It was because it was affected all my balance and all my fine motor skills. So like, for me to pick up a nut and put a like put a screw on a nut was mm. really difficult or to have a shave or mate, I could catch I could catch a ball with my eyes closed, but I was struggling to catch a tennis ball or a cricket ball. It was even hard to throw a ball. So it, is, yeah. it was really frustrating but Lucky, I reckon footy helped me in good stead because, you know, I'd obviously been through a fair few injuries and physio and that sort of thing. So I had a lot of physio stuff that I had to do and a lot of fine motor skills I had to do. So because I'd been trained in that area and been disciplined enough to do the physio stuff, I was real disciplined in what I did. Yeah. I did it every day and what I was told to do and, yeah, got myself back up and going again. And yeah, mate, and you, you're dead right. Like full credit to you because you had the work ethic there, and you, you knew that the results would come if you put the work in. And uh, um, you know, frustrating for you being such a, a well balanced uh, individual on both sides, not being able to like catch a ball. And you know, some people could really crack the shits and get disappointed with that. But if you can see that as a challenge, um, you know, just like you did a lot of the other things that, that that happened in your life, and be able to sort of you know learn through the opportunities and the, the growth comes and you're back to a nice um, balanced state now by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I'm back to work and one thing I wanted to do was play cricket. So I get to play cricket with my two brothers. I've played cricket since I moved back home and 
I was still uh, playing cricket, so it was my goal was to play a bit of cricket. So I'm uh, here, I'm back playing cricket, which is good. Rugby. Playing down at rugby in the first grades. Down there, we play against Wellington and um, St Anne's. That, that I think it's called the Southern Association of Cricket uh, mm. League. I think so. Yeah, and not my, a bad competition. Mind you, mate. Like I, I, I don't want to rub it in, but it's probably one of the smallest grounds that I've seen. And making a hundred out there would be like making um, maybe twenty on, say, a ground like the MCG. Would I be right? Yeah, this is small <laughs> ground. Well, that's where I played all my junior footy. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. where the junior footy was. Yeah, unreal. <laughs> I remember it's being... funny you say that. There's not many massive big scores there, you know. What's that? It's funny you say about scores and hundreds and that. There's never a massive ground where they have huge scores. Besides, think they can go out and make big scores, and they don't. They, they get caught on the boundary, or they get caught slogging because they think it's so small. Slogging, <laughs> unbelievable. Now it's interesting because I think Ben Beans made 300 one game. Is that right? Yeah, he made one. He made it for Wellington, which is out at East Street, Glenorchy. That's it's right. a big, big ground. It's not a bad. He's a gun cricketer, mate. Three hundred, unbelievable. They, they won the grand final again this year. He played. Did he really? He's still going around. He wasn't going to play. He's had a bit of a bad back, but they were struggling. They had a few injuries, so he decided to come back as a uh, chairman of selectors, and they ended up talking him into playing. Really? Well, I need to do a podcast with him too. I reckon he'd have a great, uh, great story to tell. Mate, he's a legend. He, he'd do one for sure. Was he one of the best footballers that you've played with at, uh, at the Devils? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's the best match winner I've uh, played with by mile. What did you like about Ben Beams? His goal sense, mate. Unbelievable. He's a great leader as well. Mm, and hard, mate. He was a captain for a long time. He was hard. You know, just, just seeing the way he went about it and, and he was just really focused and disciplined and, and really loved his job and, and what he did and, and what he was bringing to the state, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. But I, see, he, he was uh, loved the Greyhound game as well, so I sort of <laughs> met him through the Greyhound game, so I sort of grew up with him and followed him when he went to Melbourne. So when he came back, was sort of, I sort of had a rapport with him already. So mm. oh, he's a terrific bloke, mate, and his career speaks for itself. He's an unbelievable... Uh, Unbelievable captain, he was an unbelievable player, but mm. most of all, he's an unbelievable person. Yeah, mate, I'm getting flashbacks now of, of him at Bell Reeve and that, you know, and uh, yeah, just just incredible, eh? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to have a chat to him, I reckon, for sure. Mate, um, I'll be let you go and have your dinner, and um, really, really grateful for the chat. Uh, I'm going to hopefully catch up with you when I'm down there at some stage. Brett Geepen suggested going for a run, but I'm not too sure about that at the moment, but um Anyway, I'm sure we'll um, we'll go to um, uh, the Clarence Hotel or something like that. Might be a bit better. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I look forward to it. <laughs> See you. Great. Go. No worries, mate. Cheers. Thanks, mate.